Hey, what's up? This is Kyle Shutt from The Sword, and you're listening to Epitome of Stupidity. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Woot, woot. Welcome to another episode of Epitome of Stupidity, your favorite allegedly metal podcast, episode number 39. 39. Coming up on an even number next week. That's exciting. Is, is look forward it? to that. I do. Okay. That's Brian. I'm Clint. And in the background and in is... in the background is Kyle motherfucking shut of Who's he? Sword of Doom Side of the Moon and soon to be of this solo stuff that I think is our second world premiere of our season and in the background it's this whole stuff big city gonna be the, going to be the new sing, the single off of the solo album which isn't out yet oh man hearing it here first and uh hearing it and enjoying it here first yeah you're welcome if you like the sword you're gonna like this <laughs> if you don't like the sword hit you're stop gonna like this hit stop and go listen to someone else yes that's, you know what that's a better idea do that oh hey clint check this out okay Temple Art and Music Festival has arrived. Map Free Stadium, Columbus, Ohio. Three days, May 17th through the 19th. America's number one rock music festival is here with Foo Fighters. System of a Down. Disturbed. Sonic Temple with Bring Me the Horizon, Ghost, Hailstorm, Lamb of God, The Cult, The Hives, The Struts, Meshuga, The Distillers, and rare appearances by Joe Jett. And Prodigy. Go to SonicTempleFestival.com for everything. The Foo Fighters, System of a Down, Disturbed, Bring Me the Horizon, Ghost, and special comedy tent headliners. Andrew Dice Clay, Henry Rollins, and more. Go to SonicTempleFestival.com. See ya at the temple. Brian, I'm scared. What just happened? We got a sponsor. Oh, my God. We have big news about that shit coming. Stay tuned. What are you listening to, Clint? I get to go first. You was yeah. baiting me yesterday with all the interesting things. I've been, I'm, I already okay, forget. <laughs> <laughs> I got on a good Soundgarden run this week. Uh, some, you know, just bad motor finger constantly. Kinda oh, did we mention it. we're going to talk to Kyle in a minute? I think we can we can bring it. We we didn't no. I guess <laughs> to directly answer your question. All right, keep we, going. Uh, we're gonna talk to Kyle in a minute. Is that does that work? Yeah. <laughs> I, I did a good run of some Soundgarden. Um, you know, again with the cold and winter and everything, I, I had a hard run at Call of Luna there midweek too. Uh. Been uh been listening to some Amon Ra. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right because they're going to be opening up for Voivod and Yab here soon, and they're they're a band that I 
it's like I know I should like them, but I've never really gotten too far with them. And then uh, end of the week. Why are you saying Amun Ra rather than Amun Ra? Like, what makes you think? Are they from another country or something? Uh, no, oh. I don't think so. It's just what you decided That's to do. That's just what I went with, yeah. Okay. Because I, I think I'm actually breaking it up into two words, Amun and Ra. Okay. Even though Ra is not a word. And then I listened to some Machine Head to close out the week. He said with his arms out in excitement. With arms wide open. With, yes, he said in a creed-like manner. <laughs> what did I listen to? Yes. I listened to Metallica Black album. Metallica Black album. Yeah, early in the week. I listened to a lot of stuff this week, but I didn't document it because it was all jumping around from hope and you knew stuff. You were... I'm getting there. Okay, all right. Uh, new stuff that came out that I never heard of and just hoping something good comes along. But nothing did. Nothing, nothing did. did. All right. Um, but, uh, yes, two days ago, bright and early hotel by myself, 7am needed some music and I wanted something heavy. Well, you kicked that hooker out early, didn't but, you? But yeah, she got to go cause she charges by the hour. Oh, um, God, you're gonna leave me in trouble. Um, <laughs> so, but I didn't want, I didn't want fucking screaming in my ears and shit. So what did I listen to Clint? You're going to be shocked. Screaming in your ears and shit. I didn't want. Right, 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 right. Heavy music. Heavy with, music without the screaming. With almost. 80 soothing vocals. Mutoid Man. No. Damn it. Um, I'll give you a hint. Their name rhymes with Whore Bloke Sharon. Whore Bloke Sharon. Four Stroke Baron. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. You know Kirk hates you. No, he said he didn't. Uh, that's just the... But uh, hey, I listened to them. You know? And it was, it was a good... It's it was, still good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it fit the mood. It fit the, the timing. I had that CD in my vehicle the uh, I think like two weeks ago. Played it for a little bit. It, it's I, the more I listen to it, the more I like it. It's good stuff. Yeah, I listened to it a little bit again in the car. And, uh, I put Al through something. I forget what it was. But he didn't like it. And then, of course, Metallica coming up later. Oh yeah, the uh, acoustic right, 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 Metallica. Right. I got into well, of course, you know, some some sword yesterday waiting on the hockey game to start. Well, duh, yeah, and because it was a day that ends in Y, yeah. Says the guy drinking beer out of a sword koozie. And, uh, you know what? Let's see if we can talk to Kyle. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Jesus Christ. Slow moving day for us today. <laughs> Let's call Kyle, see what happens. Hopefully, this works. If not, I'm sorry. Okay. Are we, are we going to pretend to call him even though sure. we're going to be Skyping? That's absolutely. <laughs> Ring, just because I like doing the ring thing. You do, and the point, even though and nobody the sees the point. I see the point. I see your point. point. <laughs> I see your point. Boom! He answered, ladies and gentlemen. We have Kyle Shut. Hello, how are you? <laughs> What's up, man? Not Come, a lot. I'm just chilling. Coming uh, straight from Oregon. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, me and my, my my wife and daughter bought a, a truck and an airstream, and we decided to. Do the old escape from Texas. Uh, it got a little bit out of our price range. And so, yeah, we just decided to hit the road just as a family instead of as a band. So it's <laughs> for me, it's the same. But w with them, I was like, y'all don't understand what the road is like. <laughs> you don't, you'll never understand. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, if you can see, I mean, you guys can see. I don't know if your listeners can see. No, but, they um, can't. They're shit I'm out like of luck. 30 feet from the ocean right here. I mean, it's just. It's just awful. <laughs> yeah, I wake up every day. The ocean is just life's terrible. It's just gentle, soothing sounds all day long. Oh, it's miserable. Stressed so out. currently, but, um, you're in. It's it's a little town called Yahat in Oregon that I'm just kind of bumming around for about a month here and trying to see if we want to stay in Oregon 
for a while, but I don't know. Who knows? I got I, I got a lot of rocking to do. So. Yeah, you do. <laughs> probably a tour coming up and all that. Somewhere nice, you know, while I go have fun. Counterintuitive for me because I would think someone like yourself who's been traveling and everything would kind of want to sit still, but you just want to keep just keep moving around around, huh? Well, I'm naturally I'm kind of a lazy person. I, I do enjoy planning it for a while, but uh, also I've spent you know, over half my life, uh, just on tour, I've been hopping into vans since I was like 15, basically like trying to hit the road. So really it's, I'm more comfortable being on like a, a a tour type gypsy caravan situation, uh, than I am being sedentary. I do love smoking weed and playing video games, but I also (laughs) feel like I thrive as a human whenever I'm like on the road, like moving forward, you know, just get that forward momentum going and and making ridiculous plans for myself and, and then following them through. Cause if I didn't do that, then I probably would just sit around doing nothing <laughs> forever. So this is, uh, that's... it's almost like I'm just daring myself to do things. <laughs> oh, All right, man. It's, it's a, I'm already in love with this. This is let's, let's start like we were saying <laughs> that we're going to kind of go chronologically here. Let's start with the sword. Give us... Yeah. I'll talk about it all, baby. Let's do a brief history of the sword up to the uh, current hiatus that everybody's sure. so excited about. He said <laughs> sarcastically. <laughs> Where did it start? Jesus. Uh, I, I guess I moved to Austin in, in the year 2000. In the zero. year 2000. And um, 2000 I, <laughs> I just wanted to do bong hits and party with girls and stuff. And that's, you know, that was the... Uh, the extent of my uh, college career, I was, <laughs> I really didn't want to go to college or anything, but that was sort of like, wait, my, you're a college intent. educated musician. Yeah. You know, so like I went that to college for about two weeks. And then, <laughs> yeah, two exactly. weeks. <laughs> that was one thing that, that was weird about queen that I, that uh, they all four of them like decided to finish college first and then become a rock band. So they practiced for like four years before even like putting out a record or anything. And so like, oh, we have to finish that. uni. You know, I just thought that was really funny. But no, man, me in college did not get along. I mean, I, I graduated early from high school anyway, just because I was like, I like I said, I'd I've been playing in bands and, and driving around in a van since I was about 15. So when I would come back from these like long weekends of playing punk shows with this ska band that I was in, I would be like, go back to school and be like, man, y'all, none of this shit matters. Like for real. <laughs> like, and they're like, yeah, I, you, you know, got talent. We don't. Here. <laughs> but I had, I had absolutely no money. So if you like filled out this form, they like gave you five grand and you could like go to college or something. So like I filled <laughs> out the something. form and tried to go to college and it just like, a, you know, I, I just wanted to do bong hits and hang out by the pool all day. I lived in a, the Pearl street co-op, uh, in West campus in Austin. It's like, it, you know, what a co-op is like, you know, 300 people living somewhere and you do like two shifts a week. Right of like your labor or whatever. So I hung out in the kitchen a lot, did a lot of kitchen prep. That's how I, I, I love cooking. I think that's where I kind of learned to cook and stuff. So that was cool. And it was just, it was a cool scene, but you had to be in school to stay there. So once they figured out that I was not going to school anymore, <laughs> <laughs> they kicked me out. So I got a job at the TCBY, like downtown. And just, I think I sold weed through the drive through window. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just tried to save some money. I eventually got a job across the street at a photocopy center called it copy. And Ooh, um, I, I worked my way up the ranks from like the heroin addict production manager that didn't do anything. <laughs> and then like the fucking other loser guy that never showed up on time. I eventually 
uh, wormed my way up to like the guy that was in charge of everything. So I could do whatever I wanted basically. Like, and I, I, I hung out at a record store called sound exchange a lot, which every band like came through there when they came through town or did in stores there. Or if they, if they went there, they would say like, Hey, do you know where we can get some flyers printed for our show tonight? They would say, yeah, go see Kyle at the place. And so eventually <laughs> I was just like the local zine guy, you know, and I would just hook everybody up with, like, I mean, thousands of dollars worth of copies. Like my boss was such an idiot that he would have never, I covered my tracks so well, they would never have figured it out. And, um, and now that yeah, place is out of business. I just, I just befriended some <laughs> bands and stuff. And then eventually, uh, well, I had, I was in a couple of grindcore bands, just a real shit. Like one was called bloody murder weapon. Oh God. And, yeah. uh, the, another one was uh, kids in service to Satan. That was just all about <laughs> Jesus Christ destruction. <laughs> we, we, we would just set off fireworks in people's houses and shit. I mean, it was like crazy, <laughs> crazy shows. We would, we played this one show that was a, it was a TV smash. There was just a bunch of TVs and you could just smash it with <laughs> baseball bats if you wanted to. It was, it was intense. <laughs> but um, I, I started playing in a, a hardcore band called Sea of Thousand, a terrible name. But there's one song on Spotify you can find. It was on a, a, a comp called Mutation. But um, uh, whoa, I'm just getting lost here. I was probably 19 then, I think. And uh, JD from The Sword, he was in a band called Those Peabodies, which is like a party rock kind of band, coincidentally featuring Aaron Franklin of Franklin Barbecue fame on the drums. Nice. And um, yeah, it's a funny little triangle there. But um, all those dudes were kind of doing a Misfits, Sam Hain, Danzig cover band for Halloween that year at a house party. And they lost their guitar player and they'd seen me playing guitar around. They said, hey, Kyle, do you want to play guitar for this thing? And I said, yeah, how hard could it be to learn? You know, a bunch of misfits, misfits songs, yeah. and cover songs. They're, they're slightly harder than you'd think, just because you can't really hear what the hell's going on in the recording. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. recorded so poorly that it's just like, what the fuck are they playing? Have they, yeah, have they changed but, yet? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And then you realize that they're really they were just four bodybuilders from New Jersey. They didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. You know, so it was it was a good time though. Uh, and at that show, JD um, gave me a CD that just said had the sword written on it. And he was like, hey, man, I've been thinking about doing something heavier. And uh, and I had been thinking about doing something more melodic um, just because I, you know, like I just come from like the super chaotic like music scene and stuff. And I just wanted to rock a little more. And I think he was in, in kind of like party rock land. He wanted to get a little heavier. So it was a really good pairing at the time. Um, and uh, I called him back and I was like, yeah, these songs are great, man. Let's just do the sword as a, as a band. And he was like, OK, cool. Because for him, it was like a solo project thing. He was it was like a one man band kind of mentality. He had done the whole demo with like drum machines and it was age of winners. The first album was pretty much fleshed out like before the band became a band. Oh, no like, shit. I, like we, I, I wrote like the first couple minutes of limit for the Aurochs, I think. And that was it. Like that song. And then maybe, I, I think maybe uh, iron Swan and Freya were two of like the ones that he had, brought to the table like right before we recorded the album or, or just like you know in in the years before we released that first album but yeah it was mostly done and um it was it already sounded great so when the sword started i think we just came from a place of all of us having been in so many bands before and like we knew what we were doing 
and we knew not how to, how not to waste time and stuff. So I think when we, we just hit the ground right running, it, you know, yeah. and it was, you could see everybody's head turn in Austin. It was when we started playing, it was like, like, Whoa, what is this? Right. You know? And, and we, we got, we got pretty big, pretty quick. I mean, we were like able to sell out, you know, like the local clubs we were playing, which pretty hard to do back in those days, but, but we didn't really sound like anything else at the time. Um, and I think it was like refreshing, not that we were the first band to do this, obviously, like, but you know, tons of bands, uh, carried that sound through the nineties, you know, like Fu Manchu or Orange Goblin or Sleep or, or there's a, a bunch, I'm leaving a bunch out, but, um, Monster Magnet, I think I said Clutch, you know, and, and, uh, but I think we just came at it at the right time when people were like, Oh, finally, like I've had enough death metal. Like when we were first tour, like we would be the only band on the tour with the drummer that only had a single kick pedal. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and, or or any local, any local opener would always be some brutal death metal band for us. And then we'd end up, you know, crushing obviously, but like we were just a different kind of band. And now like, I swear you can't go anywhere without the local opener being some like, (laughs) you know, like stoner band. Yeah. We, uh, uh, yeah. we had some fun with your with your interview that kind of went through that uh you know however many months ago and we completely agree with you for whatever it's worth. Um I do want to I like that you say that you guys were the opposite of death metal where it seems like for me you guys were like the opposite of new metal where you know that's that's a really good way to put it especially in Texas. Like uh Dallas is like the new metal capital you know or it was and i i really do feel i I can say without ego that we like we single-handedly killed new metal in dallas like (laughs) i would not argue that yeah you you couldn't get a show in dallas back in those days unless you fit this little unless you were like a disco band that happened to be like metal or something you know and you wore makeup and shit and (laughs) it was just like it was its own thing like whatever right but um yeah we always played denton and fort worth which are two little towns kind of on the other opposite ends of dallas and uh yeah we just it took years of whipping that scene into shape before finally like we started getting serious offers in dallas and people started showing up in droves to see us and still to this day like the dallas was one of the sword's biggest markets that's fucking awesome man you guys had it's wild you know the sword had a uh a, a real fun i i i don't like putting this in past tense because i don't want to consider you guys done but i guess i kind of did um the the evolution as to where you started and how you use future sounds and high country and all that is just fucking fantastic, man. I it, thank you. How did I that work that. out? It didn't really work out that well. But, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. but uh, well, we let, never. Let me ask this. We real never quick. compromised on anything. Like we always put the songs and what we always made the records that we wanted to make. You know, and and, and including the first bunch you know like like every record was what we wanted to do at the time and not every album was received well at the time like we got so much hate people talk so much trash about us whenever age of winners came out they were like making up stuff like yeah well the sword they were just marketed and like put together by disney to like try to cash in on this like (laughs) hipster metal movement we're like like, where are you people coming up with this right like we just we're just bad man you know and um (laughs) But, you know, Gods of the Earth, Gods of the Earth was one that was, I felt like it was kind of rushed, but we were in between tours and we were just kind of like, go, go, go. And so we just cranked out the second album and then Metallica scooped us up to go on tour. That lasted about a year. And then so we got back from that and we had been on tour basically for five years, like straight. And it was just kind of a little crazy. 
so we took some time off and then whenever we made warp riders people hated it like we got so much negative press it was no crazy i think people's expectations about what we were going to do were so through the roof that like there was nothing that we could do that they were going to be happy with or like over scrutinize or whatever and does that and still I think hold that's do the you same still thing get... that happened with used futures because it's like we went on because after trivet quit and then we went on this sort of other second upper trajectory and then you know into more of people just being like well you know not knowing what to expect to the point where they can't even enjoy anything and just are over analyzing it just i don't know we turned into like the weezer like of metal bands or whatever where it's like they just want the first two albums (laughs) perfect and then everything after that's just awful or it's other people's favorites or like people just it's funny like which eras of the sword people like because i i know i've heard tons of people say like dude i found out about you guys on high country and I love it. I don't really like any of your records before that, you know. But <laughs> they don't say that. Like, no way they say that. It's all over the map. It's like we're the most polarizing band of the last ten years, at least. I yeah no I I would I love it, dude. I think that each it seems like it kind of goes in twos, where the first two are kind of similar. Warp Riders and kinda. Apocryphon. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Uh, those two are uh, kind of similar, and then the last two are. I, I mean, I fucking adore High Country and Apocryphon. Thanks, those, those are Apocryphon and High Country are, are my personal favorites, but I, I enjoy them all. Thanks for for me. Yeah, uh, I was really happy with Youth Future. I thought it was like the perfect like example of what all the work we had done and, and gotten up to that point. Because people always ask me, "What's your favorite album?" Like, by the so "What's your favorite one?" I was like, "The latest one, man." Like, that's <laughs> what I'm. That's yeah. what we're all about now. You know, at this point in time, right? Uh, so. It's it's kind of a hard thing for people on the outside to grasp, but you know, we, we get it to where you got to be excited about the new one because it is new. You're excited about just getting done with recording. Yeah. That's what you're currently feeling. I mean, that's, that's who you are right now. So. Yeah. And, and I don't know, but people, everyone's got their opinion, but I was like, just, you could put the sword up against any band. Like our, our catalog, put it up against the first six Rush albums or the first whatever. Like you could just and and I don't know. It's just that it's a different time. Yeah. You know. So that that's it. That was the way I had to look at it. Not gonna argue that, man. Uh, and yeah. The uh, I don't assume you're wanting to break any news about the hiatus ending right now, right? Oh, I don't know. It was just this thing. The, the scene got a little hot, man. We had to like let it cool off for a little bit, bro. Don't blame um, you. It was, you know, it just, uh, none of us were necessarily having fun anymore. Everyone was just kind of overanalyzing our new record. Didn't really seem like anyone, like any fire was catching necessarily. And we'd been going hard for too long to just kill ourselves on the road for the fun for, of it yeah. you know yeah like, i mean i've done some crazy fucking shit man you know and <laughs> it's just i'm older now we're all older now and it's just the the it's not like saying like the dream is dead or anything but i mean it's like there's no glory anymore you know what i mean unless you're really enjoying yourself and having a good time and stuff that that doesn't justify like being away from your loved ones or like you know paying more attention to your personal life because you give up so much when you spend like six months out of the year on the road you know you don't really get you know a lot of personal time to like reflect or like uh grow as a human so i don't know it was just we were all kind of stagnating and it just felt like it was the right time to just like 
yanked the plug. I mean, it sucked. It wasn't necessarily my decision, but I, I didn't disagree with it, you know, necessarily. Sure. So it was just like, I, I think it'll do everyone good if they like miss the sword a little bit, you know, if they're, yeah, that makes you know, sense. Took, took some time off and then see the sword. They were not inactive by any means. We're going to do a, like a retrospective kind of release this year. It's going to feature a lot of like basically every unreleased thing we recorded some old stuff at Trivet, old covers, like just things that never saw the light of day. We're just, we're going to do a big kind of career spanning box set. I don't know when it's going to come out or anything. I don't have any more information other than that, but there's so, so there's, there's things that are going to be happening. You know, we're not going away forever, but I have no idea when or if we'll ever come back. That's information enough we'll for us. So, so I had to, I had to get busy. I had to do my own thing. You know what I'm sure. saying? Cause my little girl likes peanut butter and jelly. Gotta get paid. Yeah. I need to make some tunes. So yeah, I, um, I just sort of kicked all my other projects into high gear once that, uh, Heights uh, went into effect. One other project we want to touch on before we get to the new stuff with the Doom side of the moon. That I'm not going to lie to you. I was I looked at that sideways when I heard about it, thinking there's no way this works. And then I pushed play on it. I pushed play on it, you know, on Spotify, and it got through, you know, uh, brain damage eclipse. And I, I pulled up the internet on my phone and I clicked buy. And then two days later, Amazon had sent me the CD, and I still fucking love nice. it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Dude. that. It was um definitely the furthest I ever took a joke. And I will <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking like a hundred thousand dollar joke here. Um it was uh I I had taken him I've I've told this story before, but it was I was living in Brooklyn at the time. Uh and uh I kinda had the idea to do a solo album and uh, I, I didn't really Especially after high country, I didn't think anybody was any ready for any like curveballs or anything from me. Right. <laughs> you know, at the time. So I was like, ah, they don't, don't want to hear a solo album right now, you know. And uh, I, I had taken some time off of, of the herb. Um, but uh, as as I tend to do, I always come crawling back. <laughs> and, um, you, you know, when you take some time off and, and your, your tolerance goes away and you get high again, you kind of <laughs> like, you know, you, you just go right to outer space. I was, uh, yeah, just... I was a puddle on my couch, and I was just thinking, man, <laughs> I should just do, like, a Pink Floyd, like, cover band, but with, like, lasers and, like, <laughs> Black Sabbath, the shit out of that music. And it just, I don't know, it just sort of, like, came to me where it was, like, I was laughing at first, but then the more I started, just, I was, like, well, dress in all white with all white instruments and project onto the whole stage and give out 3D glasses to trip everybody. And it was just, it just snowballed <laughs> into this thing where I was, like. This got out of control quickly. Snap, <laughs> Once I snapped out of it, I got out the pen and paper and was like, okay, let me see if I can actually do this. So I like just, you know, like you, I did a little whiteboard like you do in the studio with all like the columns that just says like drums, check, you know, like right. keyboards, check. So I, I whiteboarded my idea and I looked at it and did, then timed it out and everything. I was like, I bet if you give me 10 days in the studio, I could totally recreate this album and like I'll do it all like doomed out or whatever. I didn't want to go too extreme. The doom was kind of like, it was like an inside joke of mine because the, anybody like doom is actually a very specific subgenre of a subgenre. Right. <laughs> yeah. Heavy metal. So, and anything gets called fucking doom these days. So it was my, cause like there was also that band, uh, dub side of the moon, or it was an album dub side of the moon by easy star, all stars. They just did like a reggae version of it. It's fucking <laughs> sick. But, um, so I was like, this one will be doom side of the moon. 
and everything about it was just a joke and it was just too fun of an idea to like pass up and i, I knew i couldn't pull it off without like having the fucking 18 it really is like a uh, like a broadway production there's I, I can't do it with less than like 11 or 12 people uh at least and um yeah i just called up every bad motherfucker i knew and i was like dude you want to help me put the show together i need a six-piece band because i had to have keys uh bass drums a singer and a sax player and then myself on guitar and the- and uh it was fun it was a lot of fun dude we put out the record made the fucking billboard charts yeah it, it took uh, 10 days when you- it came out it was like debuted at like 81 or something like that it blew my mind i had no idea it was gonna do that well did, did it really only take you 10 days you hit that you went in 10 days later it was done <laughs> yeah 10 days i, I work uh I'm, I'm real i don't know efficient yeah. this must be my job like <laughs> um uh, very efficient in the studio if i have a specific idea I, sometimes i like to go in half-baked and just like create and that may take a slightly longer uh my solo album took a little bit longer than that but um but yeah if i'm fucking if i'm focused and i have a whiteboard and i'm the producer and i have a good engineer i can fucking tear through that shit especially if i'm in charge of directing the action or whatever you yeah. know being producer. I'm the producer. <laughs> I'm the producer. <laughs> well, that's a great segue right into what you just produced. In, into the solo <laughs> shit. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. yeah. Um, so so how let's go back to when when that was a thing. So did you know you were gonna do that before the hiatus and all that stuff? The solo record? Yeah. Kinda of, I mean, I had the idea to do it at some point. But um the hiatus decision was it was a decision that was made I can't remember exactly how deep into the tour cycle we were, but I knew it was going to happen for a minute before it was announced and and everything. Not for very long, but for for enough time for me to scramble and and get something together. And that's why I decided to use a Kickstarter campaign as my um, way to fund it. Right. Right. Number one, because number one, because I'm I'm a poor boy. Nobody loves me. (laughs) And. and, Queen uh, reference number uh, two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I can't remember. It's kind of fuzzy. I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> anyway, um, we were going to announce the hiatus, and then I was like, okay, the day after I get back home, I'll fire the Kickstarter campaign, and that'll give me a month to you know convince people that you know I'm not going away for any reason. And, uh, yeah, I launched the most ridiculous internet blitz of a fucking campaign. I just call up all my friends that was that were like Photoshop, you know, meme Lords. And I was like, have you ever wanted to clown me super hard? You know, and <laughs> meme I mean, they're, they're like, we've been dying for this for like years. Yes. So I was like, go nuts. Put me in every movie poster you could fucking imagine. Just, just clown me hard. Every album cover, just go nuts. We were and, actually uh, talking about that last night. Brian and I are sitting at a hockey game, <laughs> and we're having a conversation about you. And I'd scrolled through your your Instagram there a couple days before, and the picture of uh, you and the Terminator thing mashed up. Is that was a, priceless. Well, that was another one where like I put, started posting so many of them, and it was so relentless that like people started. It was almost like turn into like a TV show that people were like tuning into and like fans <laughs> wanted to like contribute their own. So that one, the Schwarzenegger one or Schwarzenegger, <laughs> that was uh that was a fan. I don't even know that guy. He just like turned it in. I was like, dude, this is clean, man. You like match the skin tones and everything. <laughs> Schwarzenegger. But yeah, and it said I'll what did he say? I'll be backing. <laughs> that is fucking awesome, man. <laughs> oh I, I got but, it. I, uh, I, I, but yeah, I went I went nuts. I did like a promo video that just like, I don't know, I 
Uh, I that don't 80s personalities. So that 80s video to thing? know. Like I, I'm not gonna. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was just gonna say, I hope that I could let people know that I'm not taking this too seriously. It's serious, but it's you know I, I'm a real ridiculous human being. So it came across. Come across. <laughs> yeah. It definitely came across. That is funny shit. When, real quick, one of the things on the Kickstarter was someone got to get you to uh, remake any song of their choice. Someone backed God, that, didn't they? they? Nobody bought. Oh, no, I thought no. someone. I was scrolling through. I know. Oh man! It, okay, it might have been gone now. Yeah, nobody bought it. I, I made it so ridiculously expensive that <laughs> it was kind of expensive. if they did buy it, it would at least pay for itself. Yeah, like the studio time, the extra day, and all the other shit. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was like, all right. And plus, <laughs> if it's a cover song, then it's it's a little easier. Like, yeah, it's already written. I was talking about with the pink floyd. Like, I can whiteboard it, and I can just it's it's like putting a puzzle together. You right. know, the song's already there. Writing a song is is half the battle, more than half. <laughs> All right, so we'll get back on track. That was just my it was the curiosity right. was killing me. I thought that someone backed it, but anyways, it was, it was fun. Uh, shout outs to uh, Dino Robertson up in Calgary and uh, Austin the Beard Buchanan uh, down in Tampa. Those two uh, really came through with the the meme factory. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Cool. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff with that. If uh, you know, listening to this, and obviously follow follow Kyle on all the social things, and then do some scrolling and find some of these old memes and shit. That <laughs> man, oh man, that's just funny. So going into time. this solo album, is, is there yeah. a, a conscious? Do you have to think consciously to try to not make it sound like the sword? I guess is what I want to ask. No, because this I. The sword, while, you know, it, the sword was a thing that was four dudes that created music, you know, together over a long period of time, and 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 it was this evolution and everything. So it's like it's it's almost like the noise that the four of us make at the same time is the sword. So even if it was like something that sounded like the sword, once I get in there and I'm playing the drums and I'm doing the bass and everything, you know, it's just, it's somebody that listened to the record uh, already told me like, it doesn't sound like the sword at all, but you can tell that you were in the sword for a really long time. That is an accurate, <laughs> so, that that's a fucking balls on description of it. Yes. That, Cause yeah, it doesn't sound know. like the sword, but at the same time, it's, you know, it kind of gives you that side of the eye, but it could be. <laughs> Yeah, and and the sword definitely had a lot of material that, or I, I turned in a lot of material that never made the grade or turned into anything, or you know, and and uh, Brian too or JD would even like have some song ideas that just wouldn't go anywhere. We would abandon and and stuff. So, like when you take an album like Warp Riders, you know, it's got some like Guns N' Roses ripper on it, like Night City, but it's also got some crazy like Slayer ripper, like Chrono Two, and then it's also got you know like prog instrumental stuff, and it's just so you know it's, we were a very capable group of musicians. So when it was just my turn, to, I'm sorry. All that being said, the sword was at the core JD's songwriting, you know, and um, he wrote every single lyric, you know, he wrote almost every single vocal line like melody and everything like that so that really was at the core of it all his songwriting so me writing songs it's just gonna be a totally different thing from the get-go you know like from the right. core so but but the way that i flesh out things is yeah definitely a result of all my experience with that band over the years and producing doom side of the moon and stuff and just wanting to be real experimental in the studio and not wanting to to make the same sound twice sure um 
But yeah, doing the solo record was fun. I always wanted uh, Prince was one of my all time favorites. He did his first couple records all by himself. Uh, Wings is another one. Like uh, Band on the Run is one of my favorite albums, and that's mostly Paul. Like I was, there's other you know overdubs and stuff, but he's right. on drums, bass, guitar, singing. You know, it's, and it's just I really like that kind of vibe, and I, I had never done it before. Um, and uh, so yeah, I called up my boy Stuart Sykes. He's my favorite engineer uh, of all time, and uh, he lives down in Austin. If you want to make a record with him, I'm sure he would love to record you. Uh, Stuart Sykes at Big Orange. Call him up. No, no. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he, he produced um, uh, White Stripes, uh, White Blood Cells. He did uh, a Rocket from the Crypt record that I just love. Uh, he's done a bunch of like Cat Power and stuff. He, uh, he's just a, got a hell of an ear, you know, and um, he's real easy to work with. For me, I can communicate with him really well. And this, it's, important in an engineer when they can like edit drums real quick and you can say like i need it to sound like <laughs> yeah i know what that means you know because like i'm not a big gearhead i don't know about microphones and and uh, shit like that ask anybody in the sword they'll be like don't ask kyle man. Don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I like to concentrate on the the sound i can make out of whatever it is that's in front of me i don't i don't know i feel like if if you can make anything sound cool then that's there that therein lies the art or whatever you know instead of like having to have this specific set of gear and all this stuff to make this thing happen it's like man if you can't do what you do on anything like you're wasting everybody's time the uh it, and it doesn't sound like you've wasted your time it sounds like that you've had some genuine fucking fun doing this based on the two songs that we've heard it was a good time it took me uh, 14 days to do 10 songs 14. and uh it was 10 hours a day so it was about 140 hours so how how long to end up to end up with 35 minutes of rock and roll <laughs> so be- before that <laughs> so how though, long it takes when you do it all by yourself how i mean did you how long were you writing before that i mean i'm assuming you went to the studio with all not the... long um the uh I, I did it all so fast I, I had a few of the songs um there out of the 10 of them there was one two there was maybe four that lyrically were a, a song already because I would just I always have ideas and I'd jot them down and sometimes I'd flesh it out and I could just hear it in my head so it's just I just write down the lyrics and then that is kind of a loose arrangement as far as the music and, and most of it was made up on the spot there was <laughs> I think two songs that were pretty much already done uh musically that i had demoed out before but i really don't like making demos i feel like i waste a lot of inspiration doing a demo and then you try to recreate it later in in another studio and you kind of lose the magic i like to kind of just that's ride that is that improvisational wave where you just you're just flying by the seat of your pants you honestly can't can't even remember what you did the day before you just have to move forward so fast i kind of like getting into that rhythm but uh, so, yeah, I went in pretty half-baked and um, ended up having to write like six songs maybe just on the spot where I would write a song a day. I'd just come in there like in the morning and just be like, okay, like have an acoustic guitar and start playing and like write a song. And then I would look at all my lyrical notes and just be like, well, this might fit with that. And then, you know, we'd take maybe three hours to flesh out a song and an arrangement and then have the scratch guitar done and the click track and everything. And then I would be like, okay, and then spend the rest of the seven hours like laying down drums more guitars blah, 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 blah. and then like you know let it stew for a few days and then i would go home that night and like listen to the rough tracks and like write out the lyrics and finish out everything that needed to be done so it was a really quick process so it sounds like you know typically we uh, we both play instruments we play and, and all that fun stuff 
Uh, and uh, a question of ours that we like to ask is that, you know, which comes first, the riff or the lyrics? And in the the build up either there, way. it sounds, yeah, it like, sounds like it can go either way for him. Yeah, it, yeah I was going to yeah. say, it almost sounded like the lyrics came first for most of it. You're the first person for, to say. For a lot of it, yeah. You know, um, uh, uh, like I'll just sometimes I'll have a beer or two in my celebratory, <laughs> my, my pod juice here. There you go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just yeah it depends on what strikes me when I, a lot of my lyrical content is just sort of what i see it's a lot more like autobiographical than it is um rooted in imagery and um i just sing i just sing about what i see man um <laughs> that first that first quarter verse and of, the two songs uh, that i gave you guys <laughs> you know that was just kind of like that song the song big city yes. is going to be the first single i just shot a video for it um that one's an example of a song that like the lyrics were all there and then i just had to i wrote music around it um that's so that, and that's just like just me jotting down random thoughts i had it's a song that's not really about anything yeah that first verse um, is but i think but i think that's what makes it <laughs> special yeah, um, but the song, I, the the other song I gave you guys, I can't dance. Uh, that's an example of one that I completely wrote on the spot. No shit, like is it true? I, I went in one morning with zero ideas, and then at the end of the day, I had that song. Is it true though? You really can't dance. I cannot. No oh. fucking step, dude. This <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> the song I was like, I can do because I came with the chorus, and so I was like, this song is like such a dance song, but I can't dance, and I was it just kept, there was a song, not the Genesis song, I right. can't dance, but there's a. Uh, um, uh, Scissor Sisters is a song they have called I Don't Feel Like Dancing, but it's like the most slamming dance song in the world. <laughs> I was like, what? I, I could have a yeah a dance song about not being able to dance. And then, yeah, I started listing off all the things I can do, but <laughs> I can't I, I can't dance. I don't know. So that's where that, the idea came from. Well, I got well, I, I play the guitar, so I have to ask this question. Did you use your reverend on all this? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. I actually sold the one that I used. It was part of the Kickstarter for for $2,000. Um, a guy named uh, Brent Sodman, um, who is that's not a bad uh, deal because uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a video game designer. Uh, he did a, an awesome game called Enter the Gungeon. Uh, if anybody hasn't checked it out, it's a uh, like a roguelike dungeon crawler. Just it's just fucking so much fun. Um, yeah, Enter the Gungeon. But Brent, yeah, he bought the guitar from me that I used on it. I used the uh, the metallic Alpine version of it um, that Reverend Guitars was kind enough to provide me with. Uh, that's a whole other story, us and uh, uh, Reverend. Oh, we intend uh, on asking about Ken, it. Ken, yeah, Ken and Penny Haas uh, and and Joe Naylor uh, ran there. Joe started the company, and then Ken and Penny bought it from him, and they all kind of run it all together. Uh, uh, Joe does all the designing and and stuff um, for them still, but they're they've treated me like family. They're just wonderful human beings. I love them so much, and they make sick guitars. And you should totally go buy one right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would have bought the one from the album, but you already sold it. Right. So, so yeah. I already sold it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I, I guess, I mean, let, well, let's finish up this, uh, the conversation about the solo album, and then we'll go yeah. into the Reverend Guitars, because I, I do want to know about how that came about. But, uh, For sure. So that's coming, at, the solo album's coming out in May, right? It is May 6th, my birthday, if anybody's. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Give me something. <laughs> yeah, buy your album right, for your for birthday. birthday. <laughs> That's kind of fucking genius. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Is there is there a yeah, big tour cool. to follow? Um, I I don't have any 100% um, lockdown dates yet, but uh, uh, the band Electric Six uh, has 
uh, been kind enough to add me to some shows. I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that yet. Oh. It's not a hundred percent confirmed. So you can only believe me as, as far as you want, but um, <laughs> okay. yeah, they're one of my favorite bands in the world. They even let me play on one of their albums uh, one time. Electric uh, six. The, it, it was a song called, um, oh, I'm spacing now. Oh, you got me all the uh, <laughs> hatchet man. The song was called hatchet man um, on, uh, on an album called how dare you. And, uh, yeah, I do the guitar solo that kind of closes out the song. And, uh, yeah, it was like, it's just one of those things. Listen, kids, if you punish your favorite band enough, they'll eventually let you uh, play on their albums and go on tour with them. <laughs> <laughs> but going on tour, you got to find kidding. musicians. No, we've been friends for a long time. Uh, they're, they really are one of my favorite bands. And, um, uh, yeah, I, we first opened for them and the store did in a festival in 2010. Uh, before Warp Riders came out, and we just kept in touch over the years and and stuff. And so I, when it was time to to need a tour, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, with the solo project, I'm rolling the wheel all the way back. I'm I'm gonna, uh, you know, hop in the van, play opening slots, play bars instead of theaters. You know, I'm just I'm sick of everyone getting kicked out after the show's over. I can't hang out with anyone or like you know. By the time you take a breather for 10 minutes after the show's over, everyone's gone. And you're like, oh, shit. You're like, where do we party? And stuff. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to trying to bring fun back into what we do. I, I toured so long, you know, that it's you, you fall into these little routines and you get tired and grumpy and shit. And I just wasn't really having that much fun anymore. I want to have a lot more fun. That's that, that's going to be the project. smartest thing I hear this fucking year. I, well, I got to know. Who are you going to get to back you? I mean, you got to find all these people a uh, jimmy oh, okay. he's been playing in the sword for the last seven years he's gonna be playing drums uh we just had a, our, our first show uh last monday um it was we also filmed it for a video shoot and uh it, it was like i said it was at an irresponsibly small bar in Austin, i saw it uh, yeah irresponsibly small. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun man uh it was yeah i mean that, maybe 50 people could have fit in that room if that maybe 30 i don't know but it was packed out People came, they raged, it was fun. Uh, I got uh, Rocky Moon, uh, my friend Mike, who plays bass and, uh, and sings for American Sharks. He's oh, on the yeah. bass and, and backup vocals. And then my friend Mike Gons uh, from a band called Eagle Claw from Austin, sick band. Um, he also plays a reverend, uh, Silver Bear Sensei. And uh, so we're a reverend band, man. We're a good old you know. reverend band. <laughs> hey, I'm going to push pause real quick. I hear you cracking beers and... No, no pause. I just finished my beer, so I'm going to go grab a beer real quick. Give me two seconds. Go grab a beer. Do your thing, brother. I ain't going nowhere. Now you made me forget what I was... I'll I'll tell all the the juicy stories while he's gone. I was going to ask something. uh... Oh, yeah. So, you know, singing and playing. You do some of that or did some of that in the sword, but now you're carrying all the the vocal... Yeah. How's that working out for you? It was was okay. Uh, I started doing this series of stand-up dates or like gigs. Uh, with a guy named JT Haversat. <coughs> he he runs uh, Altercation Records. If we're, I don't know, I want to give JT Records. a shout out. If we're paused, I can wait. Till no, we're no, not, you're we're not pa- we never paused anything. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. JT Haversat with Altercation uh, Records, and uh, he does Altercation comedy tours. Um, he's uh, pushed me into doing stand up gigs, uh, basically. But here's a, here's a music industry tip folks uh you find somebody at a festival and you get them real drunk and then you make them <laughs> promise to do something and then when they sober up you just hold them to it <laughs> so basically he made me uh he he was like hey I'm, he's a comedian a well-known comedian in austin he said i'm gonna do a, a roast for my birthday you gotta roast me and i was like I'm, i don't do comedy you know what i mean but i was like hey how hard could it be to make fun of you look at you you know and um so 
I uh, I agreed to it, and then you know he hit me up later like, hey, you still want to do that roast? And I was like, ooh. He's like, just ten minutes. It'll be super chill. I was like, okay, fine. And uh, I wrote a couple jokes and got real whiskeyed up, and uh, <laughs> you know got up there and roasted his ass. Uh, I, I ended up busting one of the most wicked your mama jokes I think I've ever busted. <laughs> and his mom was there. Oh, you know, she was gonna be there. I was. I said, you know, I don't even know JT that well. A lot of people don't even know what JT stands for. And he, you could hear him groan. He was like, "Ugh!" <laughs> He's actually named after his mom, uh, who's tonight, old old Jiggle Tits Haversack. And uh, yeah, it, it killed. And I was like, "Okay, I'm done. I'm I'm, I'm out of here." It was. I lasted like four minutes, maybe, but it was. It, it worked. You know, I got a couple laughs, and it was funny. And so he was like, "Hey, I'm doing this, this series of gigs where I get dudes and bands to tell road stories. You know, just like ridiculous tales of adventure, but on stage like a spoken word night kind of thing." And, um, I agreed to do it. And again, I, it's, it's so weird being on stage without a guitar or drum or anything, you know what I mean? It's Silence. just you yeah. and everyone's real quiet, like listening to you. So all you can hear is your own voice over the PA, you know, and it's just, it, it's, you sort of like, if you let yourself, you sort of hypnotize yourself and it's if you, if you zone out too much. So I just, I think doing that helped me get into the mindset of like being a front man. Cause eventually I've done it probably like a half dozen times now. And like, it's, it's, it's getting easier and it's helping me like be more confident with just like talking to a room full of people instead of like having to hold a guitar or something. Okay. So there, there's a lot to be said for that. Not like I'm the funniest guy in the world, but I do have some funny stories and it is, uh, you know, fun to dip in and out of the, the stand up lifestyle. It's a crazy way to tour because you don't even have to be to the club at, until like an hour after doors. <laughs> you don't have to carry you know, nothing. There's no loading gear. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's nobody fucking buys any merch. So you set up like one T-shirt and a fucking <laughs> CD and that's it. You know, you're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> set up one T-shirt. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> and usually like if you're funny enough, like the bartenders will take care of you and stuff. So my, my stories are so fucking ridiculous that I just, yeah. All I have to do is talk about, you know. Metallica okay. for 10 minutes and just there you go <laughs> right it's, yeah it's you done. can't you know, it's all it's all they want to hear yeah. <laughs> you can't lead us there and have us not ask give give us a mm -hmm. good story uh, a story a yeah. story um I'll, I'll um i'll tell one of the ones uh, okay i'll tell uh, one of the ones that just i'll never forget um uh it was uh uh just for, for some backstory, um, Lars Ulrich became very good friends with the sword very early on in the days. Uh, he used to come see us on the age of winners tour and like help us pack our van after the show. And just, we were for whatever reason, his favorite band. He just loved the sword. I think uh, all those guys saw something of themselves in us early on, you know, like from their early days or whatever. I don't know, but they were incredibly generous. Uh, more so than anyone else in the music industry will ever be. And if anyone has anything negative to say about those guys, they can kiss my whole asshole. I don't care. You <laughs> the don't whole asshole, motherfuckers. Anyway. That part of it, the whole. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, they're very, very, very generous. They would always want to party and just hang out and just do all kind of just get up to no good. And um, uh, but sometimes you couldn't cause like you're just playing some Marine in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing to do. So Lars comes in our dressing room one night and he goes, man, Omaha sucks. <laughs> no, no offense to Omaha, but any reason it's, it's a fine city, but when you're playing your arena, you're in the middle of nowhere. Sounds just like him. Anyway, it was the middle of winter too. It was super cold. And, um, uh, he's like, what do you guys want to do? And uh, <laughs> so this is an example of how generous Metallica is. Uh, usually when you do a huge tour like that, 
um, not only do you not get paid, you sometimes you have to pay to get on those tours. And um, you have the bus that's going to cost you an ass ton of money. You have all this. It's just like an astounding amount of money that it costs to go on a tour like that. And um, they they covered all of our costs. They were just they you know made sure that it, we were very well taken care of. It was so generous of them. They don't have to bring out anybody, right? You know, ever for the rest of their career, right? They're still Metallica. <laughs> but but they they told us we could open for them for as long as we wanted for two and a half years, and we lasted about a year. Um, but anyway, so all, all this being said, <laughs> uh, he uh, I'm trying to think where it was I? It was like, oh yeah, uh, they let us play uh, our own off day shows. Like if they had, they had to play every other day, so they would let us play in between, you know, like do our own Chicago show before their Chicago show. No band does that, you know? And, um, so when, when he said, Omaha sucks, where do you guys want to go? We were like, well, you, you got a day off tomorrow, but we have to go to Chicago to play a show. And he's like, I love Chicago. Let's go right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he goes and talks, Sounds goes like... and talks to his guys, comes back and he's like, okay, we're going to get on the jet. We're going to go to Chicago right now. It's a party. So we're like, hell yeah. <laughs> so I, I get into a, we, we hop in an Escalade, they send for us uh, and head to an executive airport. At this point, I had never been to an executive airport. I didn't know that that was a thing. Uh, it's it's where all the rich people fly out of their G6s and shit. Yeah. So we're, uh, you, you walk through the metal detector and it's like, eh, 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 and they're like, oh, it's fine. Go on, man, you're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and you're just like asking people, like, I got a bunch of weed in my pocket, man. Is that going to be cool? They're like, it's fine. You're fine. Don't worry about you're it. You're with they're Metallica. Like, okay, cool. okay, yeah, so yeah. It's, uh, we get on this plane that holds 11 people and it's just like, all oh, it's Metallica and the sword and then their tour manager and the other crew. I can't remember exactly. Jesus assistant and things like that. So just 11 of us and we're just we're flying on a G6 taken off like you can like there's no rules on these planes you can like surf it while it's taken off at like 500 miles an hour going straight up it's fucking crazy everybody's on their phones like ha 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 and uh yeah i have like a stewardess sitting in my lap feeding me sushi and it's just like everything's just crazy it's what you think it would be right so we land in chicago i'm not making any of this story up it's it's one of the craziest nights of my life uh so we land in chicago i hop in another escalade and they're taking and, er, and then lars goes you guys aren't gonna believe this Anthrax is in town. We're gonna go to a strip club. Like, Hell yeah, this is what I was born for. Let's do this thing. What time and is so, it? What time is it right now? Like I know, right? in the store, in the in story. The like, uh, two-ish. In the morning? Maybe two in the morning. Okay. Yeah, because okay. I call in Chicago is like five, six. All right, go ahead, go ahead. And um so uh we I think we went to the exit first and got some drinks and then we headed over to the, uh, the strip club VIP and we're riding in another Escalade and I asked the driver, I said, Hey man, cause we're in Chicago. I was like, you ever drive R. Kelly around? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, only to the courthouse. <laughs> you know, we're all, we're all laughing. And he goes, no, really? I drove him to the courthouse. <laughs> one time. I was like, Oh, and then it got kind of dark. And then I said, did, did he smoke weed in here? He's like, no. Nah. I said, can I smoke weed in here? <laughs> He's like, I don't know, man. My nose is pretty bad. I don't, I don't know. So <laughs> we, were, we were just blowing joints, uh, headed to this uh, club called VIP in Chicago. Real, real classy joint. Sound, yeah. um, the strip clubs in Chicago aren't like they are everywhere else. They're more like <laughs> pasty bars, you know. So, yeah, but yeah. you know, it's not like the raunchiest place in the world. But it's you know just a strip club. But the only people in the club <laughs> were Anthrax, Metallica, and The Sword. There wasn't <laughs> anybody else in there. It was fucking ridiculous. And it was just like, I mean, Frank Bello, Charlie Vinati, they're all like the nicest dudes. They're all just hanging out and just, it's, it's this hilarious time. But, um, Kirk 
and taps me on the shoulder. And I was like, what's up, dude? He's like, you want to go smoke, man? <laughs> I was like, you fucking do you know my name? Yes, I want to smoke. <laughs> it was like freezing outside, but I was like, Kirk's got that good shit. So I wanted to go smoke with him. And uh, I get my jacket and go outside, and we're just sitting there uh, smoking this joint. And um, and, and we, we rarely talked about um, uh, music, really. We just talked about, like, boobs and cars and stuff <laughs> like that. You know, I think that's why they liked us because we never like punished them or anything. But um, this every once in a while when they would bring it up, I would, we would talk about it. And uh, he was like, what are you like listening to, man? <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> no, he's like, what, what have you been using to like play guitar to and stuff? And it was, it was funny. I was like, <laughs> I was like last summer, I was like, I don't want to sound like I'm kissing your ass, but it was like before all this went down, Last summer, all I did was sit around, do bong hits, and learn every solo on Master of Puppets and ride the lightning note for note. Like just, I, I was just like blasting through those things. I think that's it really helped my guitar playing from Gods of the Earth to Warp Riders. Um, I literally had no idea that I would be out on tour with them and stuff, and I was like, I know that's a stupid answer, but that's that's really is what I did. <laughs> yeah, last year. yeah, yeah. And and he was like, man, all I do. Just sit around, do bong hits, and learn Jimi Hendrix solos. <laughs> and then he, and then, then he said, he goes, man, you know what? You know who would love you guys? Cliff. It's oh. like, man, oh, man, damn. That just cut right through, yeah. right? You know who would have loved you guys? That, I bet he would have too. You know, I don't know. Shit. He, That's he one of those like things. A cool that, guy. What do you they say to that? They didn't bring him up a lot. They didn't bring him up very much, but I'm, every once in a while they would, and it was cool. I bet, man. That, that's one of those things where it's like the highest fucking compliment, but at the same time, it kind of hurts. Yeah. Man. And it cuts like a knife. <laughs> it cuts like a knife. <laughs> now, now what do we yeah. talk about? <laughs> <laughs> that, so is a, that, was, that was just that was one night of, of many that, uh, yeah, crazy that, parties that we had, and they were oh so generous. God. They did, uh, were so generous. Did James talk about, forget him. talk about bees a lot? James and his bees. Did he want to bend your ear on bees the whole time? No, he likes nah. talking about cars, and he cars? he loved yeah. oysters. He <laughs> okay. loved it. You know, one of the funniest nights we went out one night. Uh, I'll I'll leave you on this one. I don't want to talk your talk your ear off. But he we one of the craziest things I've ever seen, uh, or, or two of the craziest things I guess was uh, when a massive band cancels a show at the last minute Ooh, yeah. when everyone's already there. It's pretty nuts. So we were playing in Stockholm two nights at the Globe in, in Stockholm. And uh, first night was smashing success, right? We all, uh, everybody wants to party. Hatfield never really came out and partied because he doesn't drink anymore. Like, you know, he's got some, you know, issues like that. And that's yeah, yeah. great. But whenever he would stay and hang out, it was really saying a lot because it's really tough for somebody yeah. struggling with addiction issues to hang out with other people who are vibing, you know? Yeah. So that th really meant a lot when he would hang out. <laughs> but this one bit him in the ass. Uh, he, uh, we were hanging out at this seafood place all night, just like partying and stuff. He was hanging out and eating oysters. He was loving the oysters. We were just like, I mean, dozen by the dozen, just these little tiny fuckers, you know, <laughs> just like, oh, it tastes like sweet butter. Oh my god! And, um, <laughs> and so just drinking like crazy, eating all these oysters, you know. Had he's not drinking, but he's just pounding these things with us. And um, the next day, every, everything's going normal. Uh, at the show and, and stuff. And then it's, we went on at seven o'clock. And so we were, we had to be at the, the little X marks the spot by six fifty eight for us to be on stage on time by seven. You know what I mean? So we right. come up to our little X marks the spot and, um, 
uh, Metallica stage manager is there and he's like, uh, no show tonight, boys. We're like, what? Ooh. What do you mean? He's like, you're not going on. To, nobody's going on tonight. It's like, what's wrong? And they're like, Hetfield, he's he got like some kind of blood infection. He's on the way to the hospital right now. We're about to have to cancel the show. And there's like 14,000 people out there in the, the sold out arena. You know what I mean? And like, we're all like, holy shit. <laughs> what's going to happen? Is it like people going to riot? Like, what the fuck? You know? And, um, so Het's gone, you know what I mean? And he's, he's out of there. And, uh, we, uh, we go put our guitars down and stuff and then run out because the rest of the band is about to take the stage and announce to the entire room that they're not going to play. Right. And so they do, they go up and just, uh, I mean, we're talking Sweden here. They're, they're pretty polite over there. You know, they they can take it well, you know, um, And and Metallica, you know, they were very gracious, but they're like, look, we just can't play tonight. James is sick. He's on the way to the hospital right now. He's got a blood infection. Ate too many oysters. But then they said that they're going to make up the show. Like, we're going to come back. We're going to do it again. We're so sorry. And also uh, Metallica, they've worked with the same promoters, the independent promoters, since the very early days of them being a band. So it's not like this was like a Live Nation insurance deal. Like they were, you know, a an independent promoter was, you know, going to lose his ass on, on the this, hook. You know, yeah. Get yeah. to file a claim and stuff, but they, they promised to come back and make up the show and everything. And they did. And the, the first show of the next leg, they booked it again in Stockholm and we flew in for that one. And to make it up for everybody, everyone got, that came to the show, got a free shirt. It, and, uh, it was a picture of all Metallica throwing up on the cover <laughs> or on the front and on the back, it said, retching sick and destroy. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So they oh, really got a free shirt Jesus out of it. Christ. Slayer fans, not so nice when you cancel a show in front of them. That was that was one that was like a, in, in Australia. Um, Slayer was, uh, you know, when you play a festival stage and it's like side by side stage and there's like one band setting up while the other one's playing. Right. You know, like staggered like that. Well, I can't remember what band it was. Kylesa maybe or somebody. They were playing and then after a while people realized that Slayer wasn't setting up. <laughs> <laughs> and they were on next and i was like that's funny there's nothing on that stage <laughs> and um so whoever it was finished and, and then went away and then like backstage we see people uh, i think jared from big business came up to me he was like dude slayer's about to cancel in front of thirty thousand people you gotta see this shit <laughs> i was like oh my god like riot police were showing up i was like oh my god this shit's about to go down right so we run over to the stage and everything and they, they fucking get on the stage and say ladies ladies and gentlemen and we didn't know this and this was in sydney that the last slayer show had been canceled too oh, so this to was the makeup show oh you know and fucking, I think Tom Mariah had an ear infection or something and they weren't going to do the show. And, um, so yeah, the dude had to go out there and be like, we're sorry to inform you. And the second he said that the whole crowd just <laughs> you know, like trash, trash started flying toward the stage. Like people were trying to like bust down the barricade. Shit was crazy, man. People were trying to like take, uh, take off their Slayer shirts and burn them. But there was, it was so wet from the sweat that the shirts wouldn't catch on fire. It was pathetic. <laughs> but I think pathetic. the saddest thing I saw was, was this little kid, this like eight year old kid in a Slayer shirt, just crying. Just, uh, <laughs> oh man. That was Clint. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> That's fucking priceless. Man, I thought those people were going to tear the place apart. That'd make that a great nuts. album cover. Someone got a picture of that kid. It was crazy. That yeah. would be a good cover. That's fucking priceless, <laughs> yeah. man. That's what I got. I got a million of them. That's what I, I got. Talk all day. <laughs> Dude, and 
as much as we'd love to sit here and chew your ear for the next fucking hours to hear a quarter of those million stories, we'll, uh, I, I I'm genuinely interested in the in the Reverend guitars and and I don't even fucking play guitar. Uh, how did that come about? Oh, uh, it's it's a real charming story. I, <laughs> I got asked to do a benefit for the Children's Cancer Association um, for South by Southwest, and it was the they were it was the Fader Fort does this thing once a year for the CCA where they have like a free show in the morning from like nine to 11 for like families and stuff. It's like all free and it's fun. And I think taco cat played and, uh, it, it was a good time, but, um, they wanted me to be the, the guitar player for this like fake shred off thing between like, cause there was this company debuting this like air guitar, Bluetooth wristband, um, yeah, for like, kids to play with so they can like act like they're shredding, you know, right. or whatever. It's like fun, fun or something, I guess. I, I like real guitar, but whatever. Right. Um, I like real guitar. So uh, the deal was that whoever kid they get to agree to do this, I was going to actually shred on a guitar and then they were going to like air guitar and then I was going to, sh- and then they were going to like beat me eventually, you know? Right. And, um, but, but I wanted to give them the guitar as the prize, you know, unbeknownst to everyone. And, uh, but I didn't want to give away any of my guitars. So uh, Chris Funk from the Decemberists, uh, he's the one that organized the event, and he put me in touch with Reverend Guitars uh, about getting a free guitar to give away, like just one of their beginner models, you know. Sure. And uh, it was, you know, it was, it was for kids with cancer. I mean, who's going to say no? So right. they gave me one, and uh, I was actually shocked at how well it played because it's it's kind of a smaller model. But I was like, man, this is a good guitar. Um, and then we did this uh, this little nine year old girl. She. Um, was the one that agreed to do the challenge and everything. And when she, whenever she beat me, I, you know, got down on one knee and took off the guitar and gave it to her. She fucking lost it, man. Her family was like, Oh my God, are you serious? And, um, it was just all hugs and kisses all around, but, uh, it was, it was a really good time. And, uh, Reverend and me got in touch, you know, that way. And I started playing some more of their guitars and just one thing led to another. And they asked me if I wanted to make a signature guitar for them. And, and uh, they ended up treating me so well and making such good guitars that I just I leave my Les Pauls at home now. I don't even care. I I play Reverend live that is a, um, on, on, in the studio. I can do what I want, you know. Yeah, obviously, yeah. but I'm just looking for a, a different sound a lot of the times. But um, I always start with a layer uh, of Reverend and then work my way around from there. Oh, of all the ridiculous stories you've told us, that is. I'm glad that that one ended up being last. It's, it's heartwarming, right? Right. Yeah. Eight, from, from making an eight-year-old cry. <laughs> solved at least 10% of my sins. Yes. You know, that <laughs> <day>. <laughs> You hope, at least. Uh, we will uh, we'll, we'll get out of your hair. We're going to do the, uh, the trophy. Uh, if you get shipped off to an island and you only get one album to take with you for the rest of your life, what the hell album is that going to be? Oh, probably Prince, Sign of the Times. Yeah? Yeah. It's a double album. It's kind of cheating, but I don't care. No, no that's, that's fine. Fair Fred, game. Fred, I kind of, I kind of figured you'd say the Kyle Shut solo album, but <laughs> um, that or maybe <laughs> or... like like Cindy Lauper. She's so unusual. I could listen to that <laughs> nice. every day for a million years. Yeah, I've been listening. There's this chick, uh, Julie Byrne. I've been listening to a lot lately. It's like people that wouldn't think that I would like be listening to that necessarily, but yeah, she's awesome. I've been listening to her album just front to back lately. Um, I don't know. There's a bunch out there, but yeah, Prince. I was just gonna say Prince, probably. Yeah, I know you're a big Prince fan. That, that's fucking cool, man. Uh, Kyle, uh, we 
<laughs> Thanks. Sincerely appreciate <laughs> yeah. your time and everything. Um, yeah, so thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it, it's fucking great. And should your solo tag me and all this stuff, oh, I'll make sure to get it all shared up. And that would be absolutely fan goddamn on, on air right now. Will you come back on when this thing comes out? Yeah, no absolutely. pressure. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. I mean, let's make it a, a yearly or biannual thing. <laughs> sure. Call, you, you got my shit. Call me up, man. We absolutely. Have, we'll just we'll do a, a segment. You know, story by Kyle. <laughs> Touching base with Kyle, yeah. Get, um, Sounds good. I'll be, yeah, I'll be your uh, correspondent on the road. Uh, dude, and speaking of on the road, when and if you come to Columbus, Ohio, uh, front row, we'll, we'll be drinking beer I think with we you. will be soon. Um, if, if that electric six uh, thing works out, I think it's going all through the Midwest. So hopefully it'll be around there somewhere. That would be right fucking on. awesome. We will be drinking beer. So, yes, again, thank you. We will talk to you again. And Unless we both quit this piece of shit podcast, then other <laughs> otherwise, good luck. Right. Um, but much thanks. Good, good luck out there. Absolutely. I hope, thanks for having me. I hope the album, oh, yeah. you know, kills it and all that, all that good stuff. Listen to it. Yeah, Love listen it. To it. I'll have a pre-order all ready to go and, and shit, you know, uh, soon. So uh, keep an eye out. And, all, uh, all the links keep, to find. You won't be able to miss it. I promise. Yeah. We'll have all the links to find you in the show description. Thanks, Kyle. Sweet. Have a good weekend. Yeah, man. bud. You too. Okay, so. That was but fucking fun. We're both arms wide open right now because we don't really <laughs> we don't really know what to say what, about yeah, that. Yeah, what do you do? How do you come out of that? What do you do after that? You go home. You take a nap. You start the day over. You try to you don't try to do better because there is no better. The dude is probably given thousands of interviews, and you would never know it by talking to a couple of schmucks in a basement right now, just willing to. <laughs> I mean, hats off to him. It, I don't know what else to say about it. I don't either. That was awesome. We thank you, Kyle. That was a shitload of fun for us. In reviews, I guess. Sure. Another lackluster review today. Oh, three weeks in a row. Lack, we're just they're, they're not things that we can necessarily give a rating to. Oh, yeah. it's, I, you know what? I, go ahead. Go ahead. The, I don't have really. I mean, it's so Metallica's. What's it called? My hands are all within your hands. <laughs> uh, live acoustic. Okay. Um, we talked about this back in like November when it happened. Live is no good for me. Uh, but I bet you would sit down and watch the video of it. Yes, the video would be great. What the fucking difference is it? You, when you have a video, you can see. Right. So you have to sit there and stare at it. When right. it's just audio, you can do things. Why do you go to a concert? All of the above. So you can that, see that, things. That is me standing around doing things while seeing things and hearing things. Well, I can do that here. That's, I nailed it. I got a projector right here. I can turn it on real big and stand there like a dumbass in the middle of the room <laughs> like it's a concert. <laughs> Uh, to it, be clear, if you sat there, you'd still be a dumbass. Is he is he playing the guitar still, yeah. James, in this whole thing? I wish they'd have done more songs I knew, I guess. There's half the album I didn't really recognize. The songs I did were okay. I, I really can't believe they did something off load, but that was a bonus for me. Sad But True, is that on there? No. It's the Sandman. one. Man. Number 10. Sandman. Sandman or Enter nothing else matters. Was awesome. Yes. That was fantastic. I even said out loud. While I was listening, like, holy shit, this is fucking cool. Yeah. Um, he was hilarious one time. <laughs> he was hilarious <laughs> one time. Um, and I, I skipped a lot of the banter. When the song was over, most of the time I just skipped to the next. So you didn't get the whole, there's a, like a running gag through the whole thing where like the second song or something. Count of seven. Yeah. yeah. It, it starts with, it's always an eight count. You know, Lars telling him it's always an eight count. And they do that like three times through the set yeah i think it's sandman where he lets it go for like 16 (laughs) 
So was that eight already? Because so that's how you know even the band was bored, right? Or trying to punch it up yeah. one or the other because it was pretty boring. No, it was cool. Yeah, well, it was alright. I I apparently liked it a lot more than you did. Um, I was actually talking with uh, I had a back and forth with the guys from the Gutter podcast that we've talked to before uh, about this and. Apparently, I'm the outlier here because I really like the uh, Disposable Heroes, the different version of it there that opens it. I, that's probably the highlight of the album for me. The the twist they kind of put on Sandman, I, I think, is really fucking cool. Uh, that um, Veterans of Psychic Warfare or whatever it's called, some of those covers I, I like a lot, uh, even though I'm not the world's biggest Deep Purple or Bob Seger fan or anything like that. I think it all. I thought it all worked really well. Uh, the version of Four Horsemen there towards the end is fucking stellar, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the only things that kind of bored me were the songs that they played. The slower songs of theirs that they played straightforward, like Unforgiven, Nothing Else Matters. Yeah, those those didn't do a lot for me. I thought for sure that it closed it with one. An acoustic version of one. <laughs> yeah, that'd be stupid. They closed it with Hardwired. And they didn't really do a lot to it. They played it straightforward, and it was yeah. it was fun. It was it was kind of comical. I think even they started laughing a bit at the beginning because it was so fast and heavy. Right, well, on the acoustic. <laughs> yeah, was, I guess that was pretty interesting. I don't, I don't know. I I, I love shit like that. Uh, if I remember right, you said you didn't even actually recognize Disposable Heroes when you were listening mm-hmm. to it. I I fucking love it. I, that was cool as shit. And you know, we agree on the uh, Inner Sandman. I thought Bleeding Me was pretty cool. The, the way they kind of turned. Yeah, I like that song. That. I just can't believe they. That's the one they chose. If they they do an offload of them. That's always been a big song for them. Right. I know. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't do shit like Mama said and Hero of the Day off of that album. Hero of the Day. Yeah, that's a good song. Or Mama said. And they well, they did um, turn the page, a remade, a remake, a remake. So nice. <laughs> it, I I I mean I will. That will be in the rotation. I enjoy it. I had it fucking cranked up as I was on my way over here. Hey, Clint. Yeah. Are we on all the socials? We are on all of them. The, as long as all of them are Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, because those are the ones we're on. But basically, what really matters is some more Kyle Shut solo projects. Oh, my God. This is I Can't Dance, right? Yes, that's I Can't Dance. Yeah. Op- a reminder opening was Big City. And this is still I Can't Dance. Heard it here first. Heard it here first. And, my God, I cannot wait to hear this fucking album. I cannot wait to hopefully see this tour. Son of a bitch. I am excited. I am excited. And then I'm also excited. We're on all the social channels. We have an email. It is eostupidity at gmail.com. Kyle is also on all of the social channels. Don't make the mistake that we made and try to shove a C in its last name. If not, we, I made fine S H U T T. Kyle spelled just like fucking Kyle. Don't overthink it. <laughs> Check him out. Good stuff. Good lord. Bye bye. <laughs>